Good morning. This is episode 82 of the Poggering Comedy Podcast. It is February 19th, 2024. Forgive me for getting this out a little late the last couple of days. My goal is to always release at 8 in the morning Mountain Standard Time, but I have been uh, traveling and on the road and a little behind and um, dealing with some interpersonal uh, issues and experiences that have really uh, taken the legs out from under me emotionally. And I have been navigating that while still trying to move forward and and keep my goals. Um, I'm behind on everything. I have not been keeping up on my exercise goals. I had set a goal a couple of weeks ago to do 50 squats in a day, 100 push-ups in a day, and 100 sit-ups in a day, which is actually pretty easy if you just spread them out. Because it's really easy to drop down and do five push-ups or 10 push-ups and 10 sit-ups here, 10 sit-ups there. And you do that 10 times a day and you got 100. Um, but I have not been focused on that. I've not had the uh, ambition or commitment to follow through with that, especially the last couple of days. Um, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, my apologies, because this would be a very weird one to <laughs> to start out if you're just discovering me. Um, my name's uh, Paul Green, though. I'm a stand-up comedian, and above all, I am a dreamer, and I go for big dreams, and I'm going for a big dream and decided to start this podcast to document my journey, which I know is contrary to what everybody says you should do. Everybody just says, hey, don't let people know what you're up to. Just go set a goal and do it quietly and don't tell everyone. And I think there's a lot of validity to that. I, however, am more and more learning to forge my own path and do it my way. And um, I felt I was going to do the exact opposite. I was going to let anybody who wants to know or anybody who cares um, know exactly what I'm up to and what I'm experiencing as I pursue comedy, as I pursue acting, performing, and give you a day-by-day and let you know all of the ups and downs, all of the hardships, the joys, the bads, the lows, really as a way, and my hope is just to provide some context, some story, some experience, some wisdom to anybody else out there who's going for a dream and has something that's inside them that they've always longed for. And if anything, provide some inspiration, maybe a little caution, some guidance. And if I can do that for just one person, then it would be worth it. Um, so why am I struggling? A couple days ago, I made a choice to completely sever a relationship with a comedy institution that I've had a relationship with for professionally for 16 years and even uh, longer before that, just as a um, as a patron. I used to go to this comedy club and... Over that time, I have had some 
incredibly crushing blows with this company and their ownership. And the most significant was about 10 years ago um, when I first really saw how they are capable of treating people, myself, um, and how they chose to treat me then. Um, but at that point in time, I decided to see their point of view, and I did see their point of view, and I understand where they're coming from, and I understand that what they're trying to do is really difficult. I know I'm being vague, and I have to be vague just, just to be a little protective because they are um, not really... I don't want to say they are good or bad people, but I know how bad they can be and how um, punitive and small-minded um, and perhaps even litigious. So I'm a little hesitant to... Um, I just have to really watch my words because I don't trust them at all, especially anymore. I don't trust that they will have any sort of goodwill or capacity to look at themselves or... Um, take ownership for their wrongdoing. And if anything, they will do whatever they can to try to silence me and intimidate me and bully me as they have done before. And as they did uh, recently over the weekend. Um, so it, it's been a very, very painful couple of days. Fortunately, I am so blessed that I have so many people in my corner who are actually my true friends and actually care about me and actually want what's best for me. Um, and it's a really shocking discovery when you, you realize that there actually are human beings who do not want, not only do they not, that there's a big difference between somebody not caring about you because you can't care about everyone. I don't care about Every human being individually, there's a billion people. I, I I know a few hundred, maybe a few thousand, right? So, you know, I I don't really cautious not to give myself too much credit. I, I don't I don't give if anything, I probably don't give myself enough credit sometimes because I, I get that I'm not some benevolent Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, I'm not out saving the world, I'm not altruistic. You know, I'm I'm every bit as selfishly motivated as any human being, and I have a massive ego, and I am concerned about my survival, and I have my vanity, and I want to make money and be successful and have fame and have adulation and adoration. Like, I desire all of these things. I recognize that, and honestly, I don't even apologize for that. Um... I also do not have any interest in taking anything from anybody that they are not willing to give and that I am not being completely transparent and honest in terms of what I'm willing to give. And that's how I approach romantic relationships, my friendships, my professional relationships is like, Hey, are we are we in agreement here that this that this works for both of us? And if not, hey, okay, great. Like, no big deal. 
Um, I'll give you a real life example of that. I, I was uh, dating this uh, woman back in um, uh, not that long ago, about in January, and we'd gone out a few times. We were having a great time. There was no manipulation. There was no. Um, uh, there was no force. There was no. You know, like neither of us were trying to get anything from each other. We were just enjoying each other's company. And she ended up, you know, texting me and saying like, hey, you know, I, I don't think this is that we're the right fit for each other long term, which I totally agreed. You know, it as we were spending time together, it became apparent that she's looking for something different long term than what I'm looking for right now. And... There was no hard feelings. There was no accusations. There was no, how dare you? There was no whatever. And then we had a little bit of discussion about what a friendship might look like moving forward. And I was very transparent about what a friendship would need to look like for me. And she was very transparent on what it would need to look like for her. And we were like, great. And... We've hung out a few times. We've talked on the phone. We've had conversations. It's There is zero hard feelings. There's zero resentment. There's zero pain. And I even called her. I called her <laughs> to talk to her about what I had just been through with these people who I had a 16-year relationship with and how they still chose to treat me. And I felt more comfortable and more safe with her, a woman who I've known for now not even two months. And I felt more love and more understanding and more compassion from a veritable stranger than human beings who I've known for 16 years. Longer, longer than who I've been in a professional relationship with for 16 years, who I've known probably for, gosh, probably a good 20 plus years at least from when I first discovered their their uh, their comedy venue. It, you know, and it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking too. I am heartbroken. I am devastated. And what I am now struggling with and what I am now trying to determine is to what degree do I just let this go and move on? And to what degree do I feel I owe it to the other performers who are involved with this venue to notify them of who they're actually doing business with and how these people are totally capable of behaving and how they are capable of treating people? Especially someone like me, who has given so much of my life to that truth. Now, was it all altruistic? No. Was I getting something out of it? Absolutely. I was getting a stage. I was getting performance opportunities. I was getting adulation. I was getting praise. I was getting the ability to exercise my craft, share my art in front of an audience. And that is no joke. That's actually really rare, which is why I 
did it and why I loved it and why I was grateful for it and why I was appreciative of it and why when they sat me down three months ago and said, hey, we can't afford to pay you anymore. Just FYI. And I went, yeah, no problem. I'll still do it. It's still worth it to me. And why when they asked me to do a gig Friday night and said, hey, um, this is a two-hour gig, but we can only pay you 50 bucks because it's a charity gig. Will you be willing to do it? And I said, sure. And then when they texted me the day of and said, oh, by the way, it's not two hours now. We need you to come two hours early to rehearse and whatever. And I said, great. So now it's a four-hour gig for $50. And yet, <laughs> after all of that, if you didn't hear the story yesterday, I'll sum it up. They had special guests in who are B-list celebrities at best, incredible performers. And I performed with them and had an incredible show. After the show, I approached these performers' manager. I did not approach the performers directly and asked the manager if the performers would be available to do this podcast the next day for about 30 minutes to an hour. And I even said, they don't need to come to me. I will go to them. I'll show up. I knew they were at an Airbnb because we had talked about it. I said, I can bring my mics to the Air Airbnb interview, 30 minutes to an hour. Me doing that became so offensive to these people that they responded in a manner that is so absolutely, unbelievably ridiculous you would not believe the email that I got from these people. And all I got to say is the email was so egregious, so punitive, so small-minded, so selfish, so greedy, so rude and demeaning and condescending how they chose to spoke to me. They could not give me one hour of somebody else's time because those people happened to have been flown in by them. And they went through great expenditure to have them there. That even though it did not conflict directly with anything that they had going on, they absolutely lost their mind. I had given them four hours of my time, my free time, hundreds of other times over the years. Most specifically, all of the free gigs that I've done. I asked for one hour. And not only was that incon inconceivable to them, it was actually like an act of, of like criminality. They actually pasted into that email some policy manual, like a paragraph from some policy thing that I had signed like 10 years ago putting this like legalese bullshit into this email, like trying to like keep me down, like some sort of like lower human being who needs to like have the book thrown at them. It's like, can you feel it? I am like this close to blowing up and that's where I'm at. Um, and, and that email officially ended my relationship with them. I will never, ever work with those human beings again. Because it's the same thing that they did 
10 years ago when we had the blow up. So why was it so long ago? Well, shortly after that, I moved to LA. So I was in LA for six, seven years. I never, I didn't deal with them for that whole time. I had moved back here two years ago and the last two years have actually been great with them. I thought we were great, but no, that's how they chose to treat me over a one hour podcast that didn't have anything to do with them anyway. That's how petty and small-minded and absolutely ridiculous they are and how they chose to treat me. And you know the old adage, when people show you who they are, believe them. And they showed me 10 years ago and I gave them the benefit of the doubt and I let it heal and I forgave them you know, I thought that they had changed. It seemed like they had changed. It seemed like they had loosened up a bit, like they had relaxed, like they were more open to being supportive. Um, and they made it loud and clear that they do not actually want, they, they may say they want what's best for me. Sure. They want what's best for me as long as it has nothing to do with them. And as long as they do not get inconvenienced or have to do any sort of slight adjustment adjustment to their to their agenda and fair enough that's who they are you can't change who people are and when they show you who you are you just have a decision to make is all of their weakness and all of their crap and all of my weakness and all of my crap can we find an alignment here and uh I thought that we could, I thought that I had shown plenty of goodwill to, towards them. Never once did I complain. I probably complained plenty 10 years ago because I think I was a lot, I had a lot more ego back then. And, you know, I, I, I hadn't quite been humbled enough after seven years of Hollywood and just realizing <laughs> how, uh, insignificant, uh, you know, you you can feel and can be in the entertainment industry. Last two years, didn't complain once. I I just showed up. I did their shows. I took whatever pay they were willing to pay me. Um, we had collaborated. I did a couple like two person shows over there that that you know we experimented with them. We tried it two or three times. Um, didn't really make sense wasn't really making money and I went you want to what this show that I'm doing it isn't making them money so you know like that's important to me it's actually important to me that they're successful you know when they sat me down and were like yeah we can't afford you pay you I'm like yeah I get you I'm not bringing any money in not directly sure when the audiences who do show up see me there I can entertain the hell out of them that might mean that they might maybe come back, but it, you know, it's more of a soft, uh, value. I don't know if that's an actual term, but you know, there's a big difference between, oh, well, they're the brand. People come to see their brand. I happen to be a performer as part of their brand and I help establish their brand as having a funny comedy show that people find val valuable that they'll buy tickets to go see. Um, 
I mean, there is some value in that, but it's actually not very valuable, to be honest, just in monetary terms. And and I know that that's hard to like swallow as a performer because I want to believe that I'm a little fairy unicorn and that me just showing up is worth millions and millions of dollars, but it, it's just not. And I've learned that and I'm learning that. It's like I'm doing these casino gigs and I show up, the, the people are already there. Any comedian who can stand in front of them and do a halfway decent job of doing stand-up comedy, which there are thousands and thousands and thousands of those, which is why any comedian who's not famous is just absolutely struggling all the time to make ends meet. And, you know, and, that, and that's the reality of it. It's like, well, no one asked us to be comedians. We don't have to be. It's like, this is what we've chosen. How to actually have value, like real value, is to be a draw. And what is a draw? It means that when people see that you are the one performing, they buy tickets to see you. I will have infinitely more value when people go, oh, Paul Green is performing at this venue? Well, I'm going to buy a ticket to see him. And that, and the reality is that that isn't the case. I mean, I advertise all the time when I'm performing, including this venue. I put memes. I put, you know, videos sometimes. I'm going to be here at this venue. going to be here. Come see me. How often would people actually buy a ticket to come see me? Every once in a while. Matter of fact, Two friends of mine came to that venue Friday night and bought tickets. Two people who spot, spent whatever the ticket price was. I don't even know what the ticket price was. 30, 40 bucks. And I happen to know that, that there was a fundraiser and a silent auction and that one of the guests that I brought spent like $300 on a signed football. So I brought in 400 bucks, maybe, maybe. And that's it. So like in reality, my, my value is not, not that high. And I know that's hard. That's like hard pill for me to swallow. And it's a hard pill for any artist to swallow. But like you can't d just demand to be more valuable. I mean, you can. And maybe you can get it. You know, you can go argue to your boss. You can go start a union, you know, you can pick it, you can do all of those things to just be like, no, you got to pay us more and more power to you. Um, I say all of this is to go like, I don't actually think that highly of myself. And, you know, And they showed how much they think of me as well. When I had the audacity to go talk to this manager to do something for my YouTube channel, which also would have benefited this venue because how did I meet these people? 
at their venue, which means I would have spent the whole time talking about this venue and the owners and all of the great things that they're doing. What am I doing now? I am cursing their name and I will never, ever speak their name with any reverence or appreciation ever again. That is the result of their actions. Now, they won't take accountability or responsibility for that. They're just going to blame me and just say, well, I violated this policy, which I actually didn't because I did not talk to the performers. But that's what happens when you deal with narcissistic people. And that word gets thrown around all the time. But I've seen it now. I was in a relationship with a woman who I've had three different licensed therapists when I talk about what I experienced and what I went through with her and just started talking about it. They're like, you do realize that that is like textbook narcissism. Three different licensed therapists. And uh, so I recognize it immediately. And that's what I'm dealing with here. Just pure narcissism. Grandiose, uncaring, selfish, self-serving um, people who will put on a smile and and pretend to love you, but it's all self-serving. has nothing to do with you. has nothing to do with me. And they showed that the moment, the moment that I did something that was slightly out of their control, that just caused them to absolutely go berserk and destroy our relationship. And it breaks my heart. It really, really breaks my heart. I am devastated. But... What I have learned and what I am learning and something that I never had the strength to do before is to stand up for yourself and to say no. Because you, I, I teach people how to treat me and I teach people what's acceptable and I teach people what I will tolerate. And unfortunately, I mistrained them. I did it 10 years ago when I just forgave them for the first time that they treated me this way. You know, I I bluffed. They called my bluff. I said to myself that night, this is 10 years ago. I know I'm bringing in ancient history, but it's significant. 10 years ago, the first time that they decided to speak to me in the manner that they did and treat me the way that they did. I remember walking away from that first experience going, I do not ever want to fucking walk into this venue and deal with these people ever again in my life. Turns out I was right the first time. But no, my compassionate heart, my good nature, my goodwill, my 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 desire to always try to find the best in people, um, which maybe isn't a weakness, 
because I also haven't been perfect, you know, and there's a handful of people out there that I, I would like a little benefit of the doubt. I would like a little forgiveness. I would like a little, you know, Paul, you kind of effed up with me and how you behaved was not okay. And there, there are some people out there who are right. What I did or how I behaved in some situations definitely was not okay. I haven't done anything absolutely egregious. I haven't done anything so bad that I feel, you know, whatever. But, but no, I haven't always. I'm not batting a thousand in terms of my interactions with every human being on the planet. And I would like a little forgiveness, and so I gave. I'm actually incredibly forgiving and incredibly understanding, which is why I forgave them and understood where they were coming from 10 years ago and why I let them back in my life and I let myself back in their life. And then why a couple years ago, when I was back in town, I was like, yeah, I want to go back and support this venue and support their their business. And why three or four months ago, whenever that was, when they sat me down and said, uh, yeah, we can't pay you anymore. And they weren't demanding I stick around, you know, it wasn't like, hey, we're not going to pay you more and you have to do this. It was like, hey, we can't pay you anymore. Is that is that cool? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I get it. I get how hard it is to run a business, especially a small business in today's world. It's hard for everybody. And I was sympathetic to that. And I also recognized that I don't actually add much value. <laughs> I'm not selling tickets. I'm an expense. And again, I know that that may rub people the wrong way. But, you know, reality is not a very pleasant place. And uh, I'm trying to navigate it as best I can. And in this circumstance, it became abundant to me that I need to surround myself with people who actually do want, not only do they want what's best for me, but they actually are willing to do whatever is in their power to help support me and aren't only interested in some quid pro quo um, contractual back-scratching agreement, although I get that that's also very important, and, you know, the reality is, here is the heartbreaking reality. What this all came down to is I asked a manager of a performance troupe I could have the performers on a podcast. The manager didn't think he was doing anything wrong by agreeing to it. I didn't think I was doing anything wrong by asking them to do it. The only people who felt that that was not okay were the owners of this troupe. 
and they took issue with it, which is actually totally fine that they took issue with it. That doesn't even bother me. The reality is they could have handled this in a situation to where I still would not have done the podcast and I would have been totally fine not doing the podcast because I didn't actually expect it to happen anyway. I didn't feel entitled to it. I didn't expect it. I actually don't feel entitled to anything except decent treatment. That I do feel entitled to. I feel treatment. I, I feel entitled to a little bit of goodwill. I feel entitled to the benefit of the doubt. I feel entitled to some fair treatment. And they showed me that they are incapable of providing me even that. They could have had the best of both worlds. They could have gotten me, or not gotten me, they could have canceled the podcast. So they got that. That's what they didn't want. They just didn't want me to, to do this podcast with, with these performers because they had paid so much money to have them be in town for the weekend. I totally get that. I don't feel entitled to their time. I didn't feel entitled to their time, which is why I asked the manager because that's how I thought I should go about it. So the issue was, we don't want Paul to do a podcast. We want control and proprietary access to every hour of their day that they are in town under our, on our dime. Fair enough. Fair enough. I... I kind of get that. I think it's very selfish. I think it's, I don't agree with that, but I understand it. And I don't actually think that I had a leg to stand on in terms of, you know, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not going to fight. I wasn't going to fight. I wasn't going to go to bat for it and demand that they do this podcast because the manager agreed like that wasn't even it was like hey they're in town I do this podcast they're dreamers I do a podcast about following dreams I wonder if they would be available to do this podcast I talked to the manager manager said we would love to do that he's like we have actually been wanting them to get involved with more podcasts we're actually thinking of starting one ourselves I would love to kind of see how you do it and learn the ropes I was like great fantastic after all of that, all those owners had to do was approach me with an ounce of goodwill. An ounce of appreciation. An ounce of benefit of the doubt. This is all they had to effing do. Call me on the phone like a human being who they've known for 16 years, longer, go dude paul man we are so sorry um we totally get that that podcast is important to you it's important to us too 
you know, we want you to, to have that experience. Um, just the thing that we're running up against is we had scheduled some things with them tomorrow. It was our fault. We didn't communicate it to the manager. He wasn't aware, you know, and, and, and we had, we had flown them in and we wanted to, to, um, do some other things, you know, during the day we totally dropped the ball. We didn't communicate because the manager didn't, manager didn't know about it anyway. So we're not trying to, you know, to, you know, we would be happy to share our resources with you. We want you to be successful. Um, is there any chance that, you know, we could just postpone the podcast? They said that they're going to be coming back into town in a little bit, um, you know, because they're touring all the time. And, and maybe next time, you know, when they come through, we can we can make sure that we, we get it on the schedule in a manner that works for everybody. Done and done. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I didn't. I just just asked the manager and didn't think anything of it. If they had the capacity to behave in that manner, which they don't, unfortunately, not only would I have not done the podcast on Saturday, I would still be giving my performance hours to them for free. Now, I will never ever speak to them again. I will never work with them again. I will never talk to them. I will never look them in the eye. I will never forgive them. I will forgive them internally, but I will never trust them ever again. You know, I'll move on. I'll heal. I'll do all of that stuff. The The sting is still brutal. Um, Over nothing. But that's... But again, when people show you who they are, you just have to trust them. And that was my instinct 10 years ago. These people aren't trustworthy. They don't care about you. You are not a human being to them. You are chattel. You are at, you are an, I actually, actually specifically remember the owner referring to the performers as assets. You performers are our assets. No, we're actually human beings. You want to know what else are assets? Chairs, toilet paper are assets. We're toilet paper to them. We're good as long as we're wiping their ass. But as soon as we have any agenda, we want anything, we have feelings or emotions or desires or ambitions that doesn't serve wiping their ass, they have a problem with it. And they will let you know. And they will treat you like the toilet paper that they think you are. And I've experienced it more than once with them. And so not their fault they are who they are that's who they are i don't actually blame them for who they are any more than you know i blame a snake for you know biting a rat and swallowing it yeah it's not the snake's fault that that's who they are so you know fair enough i know who they are now and i know who i am and I'm not going to be their rat anymore. I'm not going to let them just bite me and swallow me and consume me of my own free will. Um, and it's really, really hard. Really, really hard. And I am just doing my best to move forward. And, you know, find, find a path forward. Find a way to pursue my dream in a manner that I can be successful 
and that I can also be so cognizant that I don't ever, ever treat another human being the way that they treated me. And anybody out there, if I ever have, and you happen to be listening to this, which is probably a small chance, my gosh, do you have my sincerest apologies and my loves and, you know, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me uh, forgiveness. You don't owe me anything, but just know that I never, ever want to and never have intended to harm or hurt anybody. And that's been the case. You have my deepest apologies and... You know, and as I move forward, I am so much more cautious of my intentions and my treatment of people and my behavior. And I am always trying to treat people with as much dignity, respect, and love as I feel they, um, it's not even what they deserve. It's just as much as I can. And that is... What I'm about, that's why I'm doing this podcast. Nobody's paying me. I don't, you know, I'm not monetized. I don't have sponsors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, this is just me giving as altruistically as I can. Do I have some ambitious? Would it be cool? Like if this monetized one day and then I'm Joe Rogan and I can, you know, Spotify pays me a gazillion dollars to do it. Sure, but. Not if it means I have to be any different and not if it means that I have to change my message or, or uh, you know, do anything other than try to try to support anybody out there who is trying to live a dream and trying to get a dream because it is no joke, my dear friends. It is no joke. And it can be brutal, especially when you get out there and you interact with people and especially those who are the Judases who you just think have your back and who love you and say they love you. They'll kiss you on the cheek and they'll whatever. But man, the second, the second they have a chance to put a dagger in your back, they will not think twice if they think it serves them. So, you know, lesson learned, lesson learned. And, you know, you just, I just, I just have to, I just have to move forward from this, find a way to heal. Having this podcast has been great to process it and to be able to sort of put it out there a little bit and trying to do so in a manner that, you know, will not, you know, get me sued <laughs> because I know what type of people they are and I'm sure they wouldn't hesitate to try to shut me down and silence me and you know, it's like what big companies do, you know, they, they just commit absolute atrocities and you can't do anything about it. So, you know, these two aren't quite that big, but they're narcissists, which means they have grandiose delusions, which means they actually do think that they are that big, but you know, they're definitely bigger than me. So, you know, it's hard to stand up to a bully, which is ironic because their nonprofit is all about bullying Isn't that ironic? Which is also a narcissistic trait. As they go and preach against the very things that they're doing. They are bullies. 
They're just bullies. They just do not treat people well. Sorry, I don't know how they treat everybody. They have not treated me well overall. Okay, well, man, these have been a couple downer podcasts, everybody, but, uh, you know, this is... This is why I do this. Like I am doing this to just be as transparent and honest about what this journey is like to go for a dream. Because again, usually when we hear about going for dreams, we we see the end result. We see them after they get the big break. We see them after they're famous. We see them after their book gets published and ends up on the New York bestseller list. We see them after their company, uh, you know, they're able to you know to sell their company and now they're gazillionaires. Where you know we see them. You know, after they get the love of their life and we, you know, like, you know, we see them after they have the six pack apps, you know, it's like going for dreams. We love the ending, but I don't see a lot of people really actually talking about what it's like in the trenches day after day, year after year, trying to accomplish something that is a dream and that is calling to, to, um, to me and calling to others and this is the underbelly of it this is the underbelly and it is brutal and it is ugly and it is doggy dog and it is um heart-wrenching and heartbreaking and i get why so many people quit and you want to know what i don't blame you at all Oh, you shouldn't quit. You're a quitter. It's like, no, they're probably rational and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, just realize that the potential benefit was not worth the the tragedy. And I get it. I get it. Because trust me, I've wanted to quit so many times and just say, F it all. This is brutal. It's too hard. And... For whatever reason, whatever is inside of me, I'm still out there and seeking that opportunity, whatever that big break is, whatever that um, turning point is that really allows me to be a draw. Like that is, that is the goal. To where I'm the one people are buying tickets to see. And that's just not the reality right now. Anywhere. I could do a show anywhere. And if I've marketed crap out of it. Even in my own backyard. Here in Phoenix. Where I know a lot of people. And I have a lot of people who love me. And I have I have friends and family come out and support as often as they can. It's usually a couple people here. A couple people there. But... That just is not a sustainable business model for what I'm going for. The only way to be successful is if massive amounts of strangers <laughs> who know you and you don't know them personally will buy a ticket to see you perform. And I don't, I don't see any other way to, to be really successful at what I'm trying to do here with without that to some degree or another. So again, I know everybody says, don't tell people what you're up to. Don't tell them your goals. Just go and accomplish it. But again, I'm doing it my way and I'm following what's in my heart. And for some reason, it is in my heart to share this journey step by step, day by day. And that's what I'm doing. So 
you know, maybe it's the wrong way. I don't know, but that's what I'm doing. So everybody, forgive me for being such a downer, so much negativity. I am processing this and I am working through it. I don't know how long it's going to take, but um, in the meantime, yesterday I was on a film shoot that I booked with my Arizona agent. Last night I was I had a casino gig. Tonight I have another casino gig. And this weekend, I'm flying out to Missouri for uh, a, a gig with an influencer named Elizabeth Weikert, who is incredible. Go check her out. And the weekend after that, I'll be in New Jersey for a private gig that a buddy booked me on. Um, you know, I'm still out there doing it, and I'm getting opportunities, and I'm performing, and I'm just doing my best to, to show up to perform as best as I can, to crush it, to be as respectful and gracious as I possibly can to everybody while also having this crazy ambition and trying to find out how to make it all work. And that is what I am up to. And I hope that all of your dreams are going well, that you are finding joy and experience and that, man, when you get the legs just absolutely cut out from underneath to you, especially by people who you think are your friends and you think are there to support you and who have your best interest at heart and it just turns out that they just don't and they aren't real, um, man, my heart goes out to you. It is, it is brutal and I've got nothing but love for you and your dreams and I support you and hope that it goes well for you. I really do. So I love you all so much. Thanks for tuning into the Paul Green Comedy Podcast, a kind of dark episode, a dark couple of episodes, but, you know, we'll move forward. Uh, this is episode, what did I say, 82, February 19th, 2024. I love you all so much, and I will check in with you tomorrow. Hopefully, I will be a little bit more positive. All right. Love you guys.